welcome to the second part. I think this is the. I can't remember doing a two-part edition of any podcast of the uh, Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. Actually, we did two trade deadline ones last year. We did one the day before and the one the day after because we were expecting a lot last year. We weren't expecting as much this year. Anyway, I'm Spike Eskin. Just like old times, it's 6 a.m. for Mike Levin of LibertyBallers.com. <laughs> morning, Mike. Good morning. I barely made it here this morning. It Why? Well, it was unexpectedly snowy last night, but then there was like freezing rain in the overnight, and I walk here two and a half, three miles, and all of the sidewalks were ice. So I was doing, it normally takes me 47 minutes to walk. It took me an hour and 10 minutes to get here only because I was trying not to fall down. So here I am risking my life. Why, why do you live there? It's so cold. (laughs) It's where my job (laughs) is, buddy. If you can find me one out there, I'll, I'll be more than happy. I'll, I'll, okay. Yeah. Um, so it was Mike's idea. I thought it was a good idea as well for us to touch on some of the, it was such an overwhelming thing on Thursday. I feel like we were a little frantic. We were a little, <laughs> you ever see, you ever be driving and squirrel runs into the middle of the road and all of a sudden he just goes back and forth and back and forth and back and forth in the middle of the road. Didn't know which way to go. When he should just go all the way to the other side, or else he's going to get hit by a car. But I felt a little squirrel in the middle of the road on on Thursday night. Yeah, I always feel that way. It was, <laughs> it was a lot to process. So <laughs> we figured we'd do another one. I want to mention this at the front end of the podcast because I did it toward the back end last year. Hey, oh, I mean la- on Thursday, that the <laughs> there will be another. <laughs> There will be a, a second annual rights to Ricky Sanchez Liberty Ballers lottery party this year. It'll be a lot crazier, I think, only because there will be a lot more. to. There will be like nine picks to worry about rather than just two. So, And that'll be at Buffalo Wild Wings in the Northeast on May 19th. And we're looking for, we're looking for it to be bigger and better and have more stuff and all those kinds of things. So we hope to see you there. Bigger and better and me being there. Yes, and you being there. Which we are making yeah. every. I'm just going to make sure you don't get a job until after the lottery party, so we're straight that you're there. We'll just That's Skype fair. you in. Otherwise, we'll put you on a big screen with a speaker. Yeah, like Max Headroom. It'll just be it'll just be your head. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. one thing before we get to all the trade stuff, and I'm sure you would like to chime in. I just promised. I asked on Twitter if there was anything that people wanted to hear from, and there's this one gentleman who accused me yesterday of never this is a tough a tough I was actually I emailed Jake and Sean yesterday that I wanted to write my first thing for libertyballers.com and it was sort of something about that I haven't even written it yet I'm just going to probably blow half of it here but maybe it'll help me talk yeah, out why, the why the didn't you email me why was I included in that you're not the editor anymore they are yeah I am no you're not yes I am well I don't know about that <laughs> I, I thought they took over the reins. So I just figured I'd go yeah, right but, to the top. But, I don't need to go with middlemen like you anymore. Oh, if only you knew. <laughs> if only you knew. Okay. Well, I apologize. I was just try- I was trying to empower them, not insult you. But whatever. That's fine. <laughs> so whatever. He, he said something to the effect of, oh, I'm going to try to get his older, why don't you guys ever say, 
like, why don't you ever question what Sam Hankey does? Why don't you ever say, you know, why is it always positive, blah da blah da blah And I feel like we... So this po- both of us are very positive on what Sam does, generally. I mean, sometimes we're like, wait, why did... I remember trade deadline last year, actually, when we only got second-round picks for everybody, especially as little we got for Evan Turner. We brought that up. And I think even on Thursday, though we were both positive with the result, we explored the positives and the negatives. I... Here, here is the actual question. Just talk about the pros and cons of Hinky's decisions. Mention the risk and his inability to put a timeline on the rebuild. My quick thoughts. So, people think about risk in funny ways. You know, people think, just to bring it to football for a second, people think throwing is inherently more risky than running in general. Or they think that trading for draft picks, I always hear this all the time, well, you don't know, there's no guarantee with draft picks, as if a player that you have is more of a guarantee than a player that you don't have. So here's what I think. People think about risk the wrong way. They think about trading Michael Carter-Williams as risky because they know, I guess, what Michael Carter-Williams is, I have a hard time expressing why I don't think it, it to me there is inherent risk in in even in keeping Michael Carter Williams because he might not get any better. So the same risk that comes in trading for somebody you don't know of, it, it doesn't make that more of a risk. In fact, keeping a guy could be more risky than trading him away. So yeah. I when we talk about risk, I, I don't know that anything that he's done People say, well, the draft is no guarantee. Well, th- there is no guarantee on anything. There, think about this. You get on a plane, right? You have to go from Philadelphia to Los Angeles. You have to get on a plane. There is inherent risk in that. But there is inher- if you have a job interview in Los Angeles, there is also risk in not getting on the plane, right? There is risk in every decision you make. But at a certain sure. point, you have to weigh what you know and what you don't know, and who you entrust to make those decisions. And when you get on a plane or when you hire somebody to do a job, you sort of weigh out the risk then, and then at a certain point, you just have to trust that they are making the right decisions because they have more information than you do. So Mm -hmm. sometimes I err on the fact of trusting that Sam Hankey made the right decision that he did because he has more information than I do. Sometimes it's just like confirmation bias, like, I trust the Michael Carter-Williams trade because I watch Michael Carter-Williams. I trust that a little more because I agree with it. But sometimes I just figure that I don't know, and I just trust him because he's the guy in the job, and everything we've been led up to until this point, everything I've read about him, everything I've heard from him, leads me to believe that he's capable in doing the job. So I guess that's uh, it. Uh, as you can see, I haven't really like organized my thoughts in a... In a <laughs> You're back to being squirrel. Yeah, I, I just... I think he's smart. I think he knows what he's doing. I understand yeah. what process he's going through, and it makes sense to me. And therefore, and every decision he's made, not every decision, but in retrospect, none of his decisions have, have appeared to violate that agreement or, or what I think of him. Mm-hmm. And in the end, mm-hmm. I think he has the right goal. His goal is to build a championship team. 
So if I don't question his goal, I don't think his goal is to keep his job because I think he can get a job. He could get a million jobs. Sam Hinkie does not have to worry about having a job. So I think that's more evident in guys like the guys that are making moves for now seem to be more worried about their jobs than guys that appear to be making moves for the future. So that's that's, I guess, what I think. Yeah, I have a bunch of things to say in support of everything you just said. Um, which makes for great podcasting, just people <laughs> agreeing with each other. Uh, uh, in, ter- in terms of risk, um, Michael Carter-Williams has been here for two years, and at the end of this season, he has two years left before they have to give him a, a, a large chunk of money and years. What the Lakers pick has is two more years on a rookie scale. So after two years of MCW, you, you, we basically know he's not – well, people disagree, but he's not a star. He's not a stud. He has, he has a big enough hole in his game where if he hasn't gotten better at it, and he hasn't, he'll never become the player he could theoretically become. And I, Not so to interrupt been, you, I just want to throw yeah. in there that if your opinion watching him is different, then that's where it ends. There's no, not that you're wrong, but there would, there's a fundamental disagreement with what you feel about him as opposed to what they or you or I feel about him. And that's fine. Mm -hmm. But then that's sort of where it ends. But you can't just say, well, you never know. He might get better. Everyone might get better. Everyone might not get better. So that, so I'm sorry, continue. No, you're right. And, and people saying, I mean, I feel like the people we talk to generally aren't going to use something arbitrary like well he was rookie of the year well clearly he was rookie of the year in a a bad draft class when people were injured and when he was playing 35 minutes a game and getting more counting stats than anybody else you, you look at a list of previous rookies the rookies of the year and it's like oh like this is a really big list like the worst rookie of the year in like the past 15 20 years is Tyreek Evans so rookie of the year generally means something but because of circumstances, you can't just point something arbitrary like he he won this award that they still give out based on like points. And because because he just had the most opportunity. So like he had a nice year. It doesn't mean they made a mistake in drafting him that they're trading him now. They just had him for two years. He didn't get better. And now they are minimizing risk by trading him for a guy that could become a superstar in two more years than MCW has under a rookie contract. And not necessarily a replacement. For, like, the replacement for MCW no. might be here now, or he might be here in the offseason. It doesn't... There, it doesn't to, matter. Yeah. And, really, yes. In terms of replacing him. Right. Because we're not at the point... I mean, people were saying MCW is bad, MCW is bad, and the Sixers are terrible. And then they trade MCW, and it's like, well, how are they going to replace MCW? It's like, well, he was bad, and they don't matter. It, it's Derek talks about this a lot, um, but just for for rebuilding teams or teams still looking for a star, it you just keep cycling through pieces until you get there. And they got him; they had him for two years, and then and Hinkie knows Hinkie's comfortable with with knowing MCW's ceiling or what he can become as a player more than anybody else in the league. Like, no other 
GM or coach has a better idea of who Michael Carter-Williams is as a player than Hinky because Hinky saw him every day for a year and a half, two years. So I just trust him. And that's what it boils down to in terms of, in terms of us being like Hinky men, I guess, is that, is that we trust the guy. Like before, Ed Stefanski, Tony DeLeon, Rod Thorne, Billy King, like I just didn't trust their knowledge. I didn't trust their, them, their ability to scout people. I didn't trust their ability to to have a plan that that they followed through with, because Hinky's been so just like clear. And obviously, I've talked to him, so I you know I I know him more than these other guys also. But it's just it just makes so much more sense just to be like, oh, he's so much smarter than we are. He has more information. I just buy in. It's it's easier to like trust a person. Yeah, and either you know? either you, you know, this it I, it is just like hiring a guy. It is just like you you once you've hired him, you're you're sort of if you don't think that he knows what he's doing, or if he what I guess what desire would he have to make that trade if he didn't think that it would enable them in getting a better player. You know what I mean? Super, like, yeah, like a, uh, getting a, having a chance at a superstar. Yeah, yeah, and that's and I think this may have even I think that asset that that pick gives them a better chance of getting a superstar sooner than yeah. having Michael Carter Williams. So it may have even moved the timeline up a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. and as far as cycling, Absolutely. as far as cycling players. I think it's interesting when you look at teams like, and and Utah just traded Canner, but you look at teams like Orlando and Utah who just keep drafting guys and keeping them and never getting, getting any better. And at a certain point, mm-hmm. you look at them and you're like, well, but they have all these guys. Like, you know, you, yes, you have 100%. You have Trey Burke and Gordon Hayward and, and Derek Favors and Enos Canner. All these guys are top, Trey, uh, all, all these guys are top 10, top 12 picks. And you look at them and you think, why aren't you. Why are you no better? You have all those top picks, and those guys are all performing. Well, because you settled for guys that are performing. They're okay. Good. They're okay. Yeah, and and if you wait too long and they show their flaws too obviously, then they become mm-hmm. less valuable. You know. So if Orlando keeps these guys too long, if they decide, well, Oladipo is pretty good and Vucevic is pretty good, and maybe they have the tools, maybe these guys are good enough. But if they're not, and they don't make that decision at the right time, then they lose their ability to turn them into something better. So I, you know, I think it's, it's and and it's amazing that like that didn't happen with MCW. Like, yeah, getting the Lakers pick, which really was in terms of things traded, because the Lakers obviously didn't own this pick. In terms of things that were like in the ether and traded, like this was one of the best assets in the sport. Yes. So everyone looked we, at we, it. People as have cool. been talking about this Lakers pick for like two years now like it's been great and and now like we have it like it's huge and so trading mcw for that when around the league especially this season all the talk was that like he's not that good and remember he's not because he's not i mean it's been two years so people generally have a sense of him now hopefully jason kidd unlocks something i like him as a person and if jason kidd thinks he can like train him to be a shooter or at least be more of a facilitator in Milwaukee, then great. And I, I really like have, I think there's some people that are like, well, what if he kicks ass in Milwaukee? Then it's like, well, great. Like, good for him. Yeah, that, that I happens. Hope he does. 
even even in in rebuilds that work, the Houston traded away, like didn't keep Kyle Lowry, they didn't mm-hmm. keep Chandler Parsons. Like sometimes mm-hmm. guys that are good, you miss sometimes. And and I don't, you know, I don't. Is it risky? Could Michael Carter Williams be really really good in Milwaukee? Sure, it it's possible, but. He could also not be really, really good, and you could have held on to him. There's, you can't just be frozen from making moves because you think, well, well, this might not work out. Because every decision you make might not work out. Every shot you take, every mm-hmm. every every car ride to work might not work out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you, I could have slipped and fallen and broken my neck on the way here. You can't just not. You just make the best decision you can as often as you can. And if you if you feel like you've put in enough work to make those those right decisions, then in the end you will have made you hopefully you will be successful. And that with as valuable as first round picks are right now, especially now, is it possible that that Lakers pick does not convey next this year and next year they m- miraculously win fifty games and it's a tw- the twentieth pick? Yeah, <laughs> no, I, it's well, not possible. Well, it's possible. I mean, could they sign Kevin Love and Julius Randle? I guess all of these things are possible, you know. But and maybe they get the first pick this year. I I don't know. Are these things? Yes, but it, it's all big hoods and what you think the yeah. most likely thing is going to happen. And yeah, you know, that's that's basically where that is. So. And Hinky values really like predicting if they're going to be good. Yes. Like he's he's not making that trade, being like, "Hey, we could get it." Like he's they've already done extensive looks at like what they're possibly going to go, and I mean it's going to be. I'm I wrote this yesterday. I'm more concerned with the Lakers being top three next year than I am with them falling right north of the top ten. So. I think it's going to be a great pick next year if it comes this year. It has a shot. I mean, I, I wrote about it yesterday. If they land, if they stay fourth, then we have a we have a shot at the lottery to for them to drop to six. If they get third, then there's not much of a chance. But like, I just really want there to be like a shot because it'd be so much fun live to to like just watch teams jump. I mean, we'll go we'll go insane. Like we'll go insane. Like that'd be amazing. And there is uh, there is certainly possibility that I think it's likely that Michael Carter Williams will be better in Milwaukee than he has been in Philadelphia. But I don't think that's a, as I I mentioned on Twitter and then you mentioned in something that you wrote, you could take every player on the Sixers and put them on. You a, said that. I was a, just copying what you were saying. Well, before. yeah. And put them on a better. If you don't think Robert Covington on a better team where he wouldn't have a guy draped all over him every three-pointer he took would be better, of course he'd be better. Everybody would be better with better players around them. Um, mm-hmm. So he'll be better. The question is, is he good enough? And they don't think, yeah. they, they, they think they can replace that. And I, I don't have any, I have very little doubt, in my mind yeah. at least, that they can replace that. Well, for one hand, Isaiah uh, Cannon is going to be good. He's going to put up numbers here. And I yes. think people are going to be like, surprised and be like oh well maybe he's the guy and it's like no i mean if you're a point guard on a team it's not very good like you're gonna put up numbers i am gonna, so over, gonna i've already gonna decided i'm overrating him and i i've without watching him once <laughs> i youtube the hell out of him we'll get to this later but i'm all in on this guy by Great. the way yeah it's perfect yeah but 
I'm I'm really surprised by how much, and we can talk. We should talk about KJ again yeah. next because yeah. I feel like he's I, the one that's gotten more backlash anyway. Yep, it's, it's um, next on my. But agenda. I am I am more surprised that people are like, well, at, at at a certain point they have to build around somebody. Yeah, and it's like, what what like the, so they're just gonna be like, well, we have to build around somebody sometimes. So Michael Carter Williams is here. Nah, let's just do it. Yeah, like, yeah. That wouldn't. That's so impatient. That's so ill-advised, and like it's just like I'm gonna. I made the analogy of there's a can of pinto beans in my cabinet. I guess I just have to have pinto beans for dinner because it's there. Like it's it's just like no, like go do something. Like he's not good enough. The Sixers are trying to get as good as they can be, and they got a great asset for it. Like if MCW was traded for pick like twenty. Say they get they got traded for like, I don't know, like the, the Oklahoma the City Bulls pick. pick. Yeah, then it'd be like ah, that wasn't that great. I mean, I would still get it, and I think you would. I think you'd still be in support of it, even if it was like a twenty a pick in the twenties, um, just because of how you feel about MCW. But that's still like pretty good. It's still pretty good value, just when you think of. They got him. In, I mean, not not that you can think of him as like the eleventh pick anymore, because time has gone by and you can't think of him like that. But in in the terms of 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 how the Sixers rated him when they drafted him, or in terms of what what they expected of him, he he was here, so he was ostensibly a franchise cornerstone. Right. But they didn't draft him or or market him. Maybe they marketed him. It's not Hinky's fault. Or basically, they didn't peg him as, hey, he's going to be here a while we're building the team around him. He was just here. Like he's the guy that here, so he's going to be here. But you can't just say well he's forever. Well, and yeah, he's and one of our important guys, yeah. The 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 whole at some point thing is like, well, yeah, does it if I ask it's very simple. If the question if the the question that you want answered is is Michael Carter Williams good enough? Does he get you as close to a championship as you want to be in that position? And the answer is no. And your answer to keep him is, well, it's been a year and a half. It's a, You're <laughs> shitty at your job. You should never yeah. be, you know, like unless you have the, the team that you feel is good enough, you should never be in that situation. And then the other thing that, that these people bring up is that Sam doesn't give any sort of a timeline is because it's not about a timeline. It's about a result. I, yeah. I likened it to a game of Frogger, right? And Frogger, I don't know if you ever played it because you're sort of young. I have. Okay. Relax. So you, you <laughs> at some point, if you just decide in Frogger that it's been 10 seconds, I got to get all the way across the street, regardless of, of how the cars are lined up, you're going to get hit at some point. Your chance, you maybe you'll get lucky and end up on the other side that the stars will align, but most likely at some point between step one and step ten, you're going to get hit by a car. The object is is not to make the decision based on time; it's make the decision based on when the things are lined up correctly, when when there is a chance for you to get across. And the best way to do that is to have as many tools at your disposal to do that. So they are not doing it based on time, and it doesn't mean that they're going to take forever. It means that they are if their timeline said 2017 and the opportunity came this offseason, then what would you do? You know what and I mean? They, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, there's no like, okay, we'll wait, we'll wait, we'll wait. They're just trying to get the best players. That's all. It, it's so much simple. And it's easy for Hinky. Like, at this stage of the rebuild, 
people say people the criticism on he hasn't done anything yet and it's easy to re, it's easier to rebuild than it is uh once you're at the top of course it is he's his job right now is hard in terms of he's making difficult decisions that that are thought of as i think ballsy and and having to deal with any sort of annoying backlash from that but but he's not he's not committing like years this is all low risk stuff this is all we're just going to keep as flexible as possible until we get that star. It's this, so. I mean, so so. Has he won anything yet? No. But if your if if your judgment of a person is, hey, he hasn't done anything yet. I can't trust him until he does. He's just followed it through on his plan, uh, on his theory, I guess, of of what should be done every time. Most so guys in the NBA no have not to trust him. Most guys in the NBA haven't won anything. <laughs> That's yeah. the truth. And as far as how clear he is about what he does or doesn't do. Now, in the last year and a half, I swear I've seen more quotes and explanation from him than than ever. Than, oh my God! Than so much than Masai Ujiri, than than um uh what's the the guy in um RC RC Buford? Like like I don't ever hear these guys explain anything. I don't ever hear Danny Ainge explain anything. I you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I don't hear them really explain the moves that they make in anything other than canned quotes. When Hinky talks, I almost felt like listening to him on Friday. I almost felt like he said too much. Like he was too yeah. honest. So mm-hmm. I, I, I find there is plenty of uh, explanation in what he says. It's funny you mentioned how exciting the lottery party is going to be. Uh, <laughs> a funny question from somebody on Twitter. I thought it was the greatest question ever. You remember all the confusion last year as to like whose pick was whom and like when it when it when, popped up. When the Pelicans up. drew, right. Yeah. So one guy asked, wait, hold on. This was really funny because he said it gave him nightmares. When they Uh announced the sixth overall pick and it says Sixers, is that the Lakers pick or the original pick? Last year they didn't say. That (laughs) that will be petrifying. That is terrifying. We won't know. We'll have to keep. We'll have no idea. Oh, my God. Well, I guess it will depend on if the Sixers. They have to say. No, they won't. They wouldn't. They don't because they don't get it. If the Sixers fall to like if they come into the lottery at at one or two, well, then well, that's obviously the Lakers pick. But if they come in at three, then that could three, four, five, then that could be the Sixers pick because they could drop that. Fight. Well, here's the thing. Here's what we'll know. We'll know if the Lakers have jumped already. So, or no, we won't. Why? We, no, we, we won't. Oh, well, we'll know if the Lakers have fallen back to six. That's what. That's what we'll know. Well, uh, yes, because if they're if they're at six, right, it would have meant. That they were at, that they were the fifth worst, worst worst record or the fourth worst record, and two teams jumped ahead of them. We will have I no guess we'll know if people jumped. have already jumped. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. what a disaster it's going we'll to be. Yeah. Let's talk about we'll the KJ like trade. A full, we'll have to like a, a dry run. Yes. Like make sure we get it right. It'll be it'll be big. Yeah, we'll have to do um, it beforehand. Why yeah. you big board? This is how you yeah. react if this happens. <laughs> Here's how to react accordingly. Here's how to celebrate. Um, you're all you're all aboard the uh, metaphors today. Yeah, that's it's, it's usually how I explain things because I'm I'm yeah. too dumb to. No, it. me too. A lot of analogies and stuff. I'm all I'm all in there. So usually, KJ usually trade. ones that don't work. Minor, minor at least, are ones that don't work. KJ trade. So yeah. let me let me throw this out to you. Just an is it possible? Because I was listening. I was in a meeting with. Uh, I was in a a pretty important work meeting during Hinky's presser, and. So all I heard was clips until this morning on my walk. I listened to the entire thing. And I'm reminding you as well that I spent most of the last day watching and highlights on YouTube. Is it possible 
that contract aside, that Hinky and his team believe that the combination of Cannon and the other second-round pick are just worth more than K.J. McDaniels? Um, In a vacuum. Maybe. I mean, we did find out that that uh, Hinky really likes Isaiah Cannon, Seems which is like cool. It. Yeah. Um, he said that he wanted him into it, and not this the two two drafts ago. Um, his first draft and, here. Yeah, and Houston took him r- the, the right before. And he noted that they uh, kept trading after that happened. They just traded back and traded back and traded back after. Yeah. He got picked, so it sort of right. adds up that that could be true. So yeah, so I, I I think I'm excited about that, and it's gonna be fun to have a point guard that can really shoot. That'll be cool. Yeah. Um, and uh, I will say, possibly that. I mean, the the second round pick that we got is like 35 right now, from or 37 from uh from Denver, and um. So it's going to be good. I think more. I at the time when the pick was when the, when the trade was made, I was like, okay, it's just the contract. It's just the contract. But there's more than that. It's more than just one thing. I think it's the fact that he was expiring at the end of the year, and someone has to pay him a lot of money. The fact that he likes Isaiah Cannon, and that should be a good second round pick from the Nuggets because the Nuggets will finish worse than the Timberwolves. And the fact that not only did Jeremy Grant step up because they're they're sort of linked together based on the fact that they were the first two second round picks that the Sixers drafted this year. But Jeremy Grant, Robert Covington, I'd I'd still add Hollis Thompson there, Jakar Sampson. Those are I mean, those are four wing players. I mean, Jeremy can play the four a little bit, but but those are four wing players here for at least three years for very, very cheap. Yeah. So when you have those guys, and in in terms of a guy like Jakar, a world of potential as well. When you have all those guys, it's like, well, there's not going to be much room for KJ. I mean, like, he would have played, he, and he probably would have played more minutes than Jakar. But it's not like he's been markedly better, especially lately. And so it just in terms of uh, how much room there is to play, I think all of those factors went into, well, I don't feel like paying him more money this offseason if he's going to be making, you know, 6 million a year when you have those guys making 800,000 it's like is that really worth it? Well, let you me know what I'm saying? let me put this in perspective too. He doesn't even need to be paid for my money and this is we we might disagree on this and I know I disagree with a lot of Sixers fans on this but even if you're paying him 3 and a half million dollars, you're paying him what a ninth pick in the draft is getting paid. And his production, I don't think, warrants that. And I don't even know if his future production warrants that. Like, I don't even know if the next three years he deserves to be paid $4 million, you know, like mid-level mm-hmm. exception type money. I don't even think I, – I think when you look yeah, at – Yeah, not production. You're paying him for the guy he could become in a couple of years. Right. But but if I'm going to – I just feel like his pedigree probably has to be better for me to pay him that much of what he could be. And remember, he sure. might be there for, because he doesn't have, be, because his general skills are probably less than you want them to be, he, he he might not be there for 
two more years, and I don't know. I I just think I think it was a. I know people are are worried, and you could have waited, and I think it it probably. Uh, I don't know. I we're we're guessing here. It's funny because Hinky said we have so many press conference, we have so much flexibility with our payroll that what KJ McDaniel's was going to make was not a factor in the decision. I don't know if I believe him I, I think very much. Yeah, I think he's lying. But I think that's a lie. I think and it's, it maybe it's a lie because he wants to try to sign him this offseason. And and maybe but. it's maybe it's a maybe it's wasn't totally, maybe it's much smaller than people think. Sure. Maybe it's even smaller than what we think. Maybe he just didn't maybe remember most of of KJ McDaniel's good play was in the first month of the year. It's been mm-hmm. and and honestly like there's not been one game since November that he even got real hot and, like, you know what I mean, and swung a game. And I, I don't think there are even games where I see him as a man defender and go, God, he just shut that guy down the whole game. So a lot of what we've seen positively have been the cool it's highlights. It's in flashes. And yeah. I, it looked like Brett, like he, when he threw the ball off the backboard and dunked it, I th- Brett Brown like pulled him right afterwards. I don't know. I that, I just that was awesome though. That was so awesome. It was cool. It was fun. You know. I I just I like that they were willing to make that move too. I like. Yeah, that. I think I think all of those things go together and be like, I think that's how they think about it. They're like, okay, here are all these factors, and that's what this this is the decision we're going to make based on all of those things. And I think it also bums me out and you could say this about MCW also it's like well the Sixers have so much cap space it's just a drop in the bucket and we talked about this a little bit last time where yeah. it's like you can't just operate a franchise like that well we have a bunch of cap room anyway so we'll just you know just sign fucking whoever whatever Doesn't you have matter. enough drops in the bucket all of a sudden the bucket's overflowing you know because yeah, of, so and, and then you I, start just, regretting decisions you made like that one um, I think it's all those things, and I don't think that, I, I. I repeat what I said before. I don't think the Sixers sign KJ, even if even if Hinky might be happy with now having Isaiah Cannon. I don't think the Sixers sign KJ or draft KJ if they knew that the contract was going to be what it was. Yeah. And I should say again, people, there, there's some there's some weird narrative out there that the Sixers tried to lowball KJ, which is insane. They tried to offer him the the richest second round contract ever. So yeah, he's a second that that, round that pick. That's huge. He's a second round pick, and he and he and he dropped in the draft a lot, which happens. It happened to, it happens plenty of times. DeAndre Jordan happens, but they offered him big money for a second rounder to to commit to to stay. They wanted him to stay here because they liked him and wanted him to to be around. And he bet on himself and and turned down the biggest contract for a second round pick ever. And now it's gotten him here. Which you could say, I mean, earlier in the season, you definitely say he won. And now you could probably say he won because he'll definitely get a contract from somebody. I think it's interesting uh, to see how much he actually plays for the Rockets the last. I don't, I don't think so. he's going to play that much. No. They're, they're so a, deep. He's a seven they're minute so... a game guy or something. You know, I don't think he's, I don't think he, he averages more than 10 minutes a game for the Rockets. I don't think he will. Yeah. So, so who knows? So I like KJ. I think he's good. I, I, I think he has the potential to be quite good. But when you look at all of those factors, I really don't think it's that egregious of a move. I mean, it's it's another it's another like calculated risk where it's like, hey, we saw him, we know he can become, and we don't want to overpay him because it only takes one team to overpay him. And also, they have they have more bargaining power almost as as the free agent team than than as the the team that 
has his rights because they don't have to they wouldn't have to pay that poison pill contract they would it would get to spread out over his if they wanted to if someone was going to sign a poison pill and it would have spread out for them but it wouldn't have spread out for the sixers if that makes any sense do you know what i'm saying the cap hit yeah, I don't if think he's Sixers coming. Sign back, it, but yeah, I th- I think he could. I I don't think it'll happen either. I think because it only takes one team to overpay him. But I think Hinky certainly has a number in mind of what he's going to offer him. And if that's the best offer KJ gets, then KJ will be back. So Isaiah Cannon, after watching <laughs> like hours of YouTube clips, I have decided that I think he is a combination of, um. Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry. That was my first one. And then the more mm-hmm. I thought about it, he also reminded me a little bit of, um, why is his name escaping me now? A uh, 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 former Orlando guy, uh, St. Joe's. Um, Jameer Nelson. Jameer Nelson. That's what he reminded me. I love that he is so physically strong, upper body wise. I love mm-hmm. that it seems like he can definitely shoot. And it seems like he can get into the lane. He can get to did the you, basket a little bit. Did you see Max Rappaport's tweet? No. Uh, about the um, Sixers security, he walked up and they thought oh, yes. that he was like flight, flight squad. Yes, that's awesome. <laughs> Dude, I oh, don't know. I think he can, it looks like he can play. He's left-handed. Yeah. I mean, what the hell else do you want? This I His numbers will be – his rebounding numbers won't be the same as MCW's because sure, he'll let sure. his forwards get rebounds instead of stealing them from him. But um, <laughs> somebody was saying to me yesterday about MCW. Well, he's a triple double threat every game. Oh, well, fucking great. Well, I please let me know how many triple doubles, like how many of those triple doubles have won several games so far. I don't, I don't give a shit about triple doubles at all. They don't mean <laughs> although, anything. Although, although Nerlens's triple double the other night, near triple double, was awesome. Well, let me tell you, his ten blocks. See, yeah. and here's another thing. I don't know. I don't know what metric would tell you this. I'm not sure that Michael Carter Williams is getting rebounds that I make jokes about him stealing them all the time, but I'm not sure mm-hmm. that those are rebounds that the Sixers don't get that somebody else doesn't get that he's like beating people out on. I don't know how valuable those rebounds are. But anyway, that was, that was a big um, criticism of Spencer Hawes when he was here. Yes, uh, that all of his rebounds were just like in wide open spaces, and it's you know it's confirmation bias a little bit. But, yeah, of course. But uh, but yeah, that was just. That was that reminded me of that. Um, so let's I, talk about Nerlens for one second. Just yes. We were on well, it, we'll like, talk about the Indiana game. Nerlens. Yeah. Well, first of all, that, that was pretty sloppy on the Sixers part. The Indiana oh, yeah. game. It was really ugly. Um, but if anyone was worried about Nerlens uh, pouting because his friend got traded, I don't know. He yeah. was the one that complained about Carter Williams all the time. He looked possessed. <laughs> he looked great. I loved it. He looked. Really into it, especially especially early. He had five blocks in the first quarter. Yeah, which is insane. And uh, he was just going after it. It was great. It was really great to see. And you know, th- it was for sure sloppy. But the Sixers' only point guard for the game was Tim Frazier. Yeah, and he played twenty five minutes or so. Uh, but but when he was in the game, they were like a plus two. And when he was out, they were like a minus 18. So, no, you know, plus minus is whatever it is. But, like, it wasn't like it was a disaster. When the Sixers have a point guard on the floor, like, they're okay. When they're having, like, Jason Richardson, like, hobble the ball up, ball up the court, like, maybe they're not, you know? And uh, and Jason looked okay. I was I was yeah sort of 
well, he hasn't played ball. Look, it's funny. I think it's funny that he's still playing with these guys. He was playing hard. He he. Um, I mean, he hasn't played basketball in two years. I don't want to. Darrell Darrell Wright was on the team last time Jason Richardson played. Yes, for the Sixers. I always like, liked Darrell. Like, how crazy is that? It was so long ago. I, I said to Val, my wife, I said, for those who don't listen all the time, that's who that is. I was like, when I put on the Indiana game on Friday night, she she started to make a face. And I was like, Jason Richardson playing, remember him? And her face was <laughs> like, he's still on the Sixers? And so it was, yeah. a, it was the certainly the right face. By the way, Sixers this year, 2015, Andre Karolenko, Hashim Thabit, JaVale McGee, who said that they're not signing veterans to stabilize this roster <laughs> is crazy. Yo, that JaVale and McGee dunk was the shit. <laughs> that that was, was amazing. Also, add Ronnie Turioff to that. Oh, yeah, Ronnie Turioff. I forgot about that. Did, did JaVale, first of all, JaVale McGee, hilarious in many yeah, ways. it's going to be so much fun. It's going to be such a fun year. He looks so out of breath. I know he's been hurt lately, but it is yeah. funny. He's the only guy to go from Denver to somewhere else to be out of breath in the other place instead of being dead. <laughs> well, because they're going to run so much. I, I've got, I got the picture. They weren't, like, passing to him that much. <laughs> no. Like, Henry Sims, I feel like, was just, like, not passing to him. And I was like, God, Henry, you can't, like, you can't, like, get up upset that there's other big guys in now. Like, you're being bad, Henry. I love he, was, he played awful. I love that he, he tweeted out his dunk and just talked about the Sixers not quitting, like them boys don't quit or whatever. I like that yeah. he's already in. You he's know, in. he's in. Yeah, he's totally in. Yeah, it's gonna be really, it's gonna be a really fun year. So and yeah, Caroline Car- got bought out. Let's talk about that for two seconds. Yeah, fuck Carolenko him. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. It was just like, you don't want to play here. You know, I'm glad your wife had the child. That's lovely. I yeah. hope everybody's healthy. Go back to Europe. Also. Also, fuck you. Yeah, <laughs> get your out. Dumb hair. We don't want you. Yeah, I'm out. I'm. I've been. I've been out on him as long as I can remember. <laughs> Let me. I only have three or four more minutes. So I wanted to make sure I didn't wait. Let's then talk about your dad. Talk about. Oh, Hinky calling out your dad. Come on. So it was hilarious. I think it's funny. You know, for those who say, you know, you get more bees with honey than you do with the. I don't even know what the other thing is. I, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. But you're saying that, like, if you're nicer to people, you get more attention from them. Sure, sure. Sam, like, there are two Eskins in this world that talk about you. <laughs> and one of them fucking made a bunch of fucking T-shirts with your name on it and distributed <laughs> them. And, like, has written several articles and, like, has basically adopted you. And the other one, at any given moment, has just fucking trashed you. And you took the time at the end of your presser to mention the other one? What are you doing? <laughs> you t- I mean, everything that Howard Eskin believes to be true about how he acts and the response that he... You know that Sam mentioning him at the end of the podcast, even though it was like taking a shot, did nothing but affirm my father's um, tact in... In, yes. And how he treats him in public. It Every, is hilarious. It's hilarious. Also, just, just in, in case you didn't hear it, uh, at the end of Sam Hinkie's press conference uh, Friday morning, yes. uh, as he was like getting up, uh, somebody said, he said something like, you can use all these quotes. Like some, He said, some, some, some reporter was like giving him, like ribbing him a little bit. And, then, and at the end he goes, like, as he's getting up, like he was walking away, he might not even, even realize the mic was still on. Just being like, where's Eskin? Yeah. I'm here. I'm here. Where's Eskin? Here. Oh, it was so good. It was so good. It is funny. 
And then and then you pointed to my tweet from July, which by the way yeah, now I has that, I brought that back up. I got a, a like a, a fave star tweet that has like three hundred faves now that I would that I hope Sam Hinkie wins seven championships in Philadelphia and never grants my father a one on one interview. That's <laughs> what I I talked about it last time that I don't have many favorites on Twitter yeah. and I that was one of my favorites. <laughs> it's a good it's a great tweet. Um, so I, right, so I gotta go. You've you no much. You've gotta go. Uh, yeah, um, I'm in gotta go situation. I'm sorry. Last thing, it's yes. Andrew Sharp's birthday today. Oh well, okay. Oh Jesus, I forgot about him. I wanted to go all in on Sharp because of that fucking idiot piece about who do you want to ride with the fucking Bucks yeah. or the fucking Timberwolves. By the way, sure. the fucking Timberwolves who just traded for Kevin Garnett and the Bucks who just traded who who. By the way, Andrew Sharp said that that Michael Carter Williams would be in Europe in two years, so congratulations on that one. But Sharp, in his trade deadline thing, called the Sixers a winner and, like, lauded the Michael Carter Williams trade. So Yeah. In, in his own sharp way. Like, yeah. he, doesn't, he doesn't like the Sixers. He doesn't no. like what they're doing. He doesn't like Kinky. I mean, he's mostly just messing with us, but... Real shame uh, that Bradley Beal uh, has another injury, another stress fracture. Doesn't seem like that guy's uh, fragile at all. You're so cold. You're so cold. Uh, last thing. Yeah. Char- so Char's birthday. Yeah. My dad, who will yeah. be upset that I'm bringing this up, Glenn Levin, former podcast guest, Glenn yep. Levin, uh, listened to the Grantland Live, uh, the podcast that we were supposed the After oh, yes. Dark, the one yep. we were supposed to yep. blow up. Um, and he said, uh, Borderline unlistenable. <laughs> he, he, he was not a fan. He loves Andrew because obviously he met Andrew a bunch of times, but just didn't think that it just it wasn't an easy listen. He said we're, we're an easy listen, but they, they are not. So I don't. I didn't listen to it. That's just dad take. I did. But I wanted you to know on Sharp's birthday that my dad thinks Andrew Sharp's podcast, podcast. is borderline unlistenable. Man, not an easy listen. Not an easy lesson. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you. I will say very quickly, and then I do have to go. Doing those things in front of people. Oh, so different. Normally, when you're doing your podcast, you're just doing it for yourself and for the listener. But then all of a sudden, there's 100 people watching you, and you don't know if you're supposed to be funny for them. And if you make a face, every, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's very difficult. But I agree with Glenn. It fucking sucked. We'll talk <laughs> next <laughs> the end of this week. <laughs> Great stuff, man. All right, see you. I'm going back to bed. All right, go. Like I said, hold your head, son, and only take a second. Check it out now.